Welcome to One Media, One Media, where we get into a reverse harem and rhyme about it. That's yes. right. We are here in One Piece, and we're going to talk about Orin High School Host Club. It's a fun series. It was written by Bisco Hattori, and that is her fake name. Her real name is Sato- Saitama. Okay, she doesn't use her real name. <laughs> and we don't say it. Scratch. Just it's Bisco Saturi. Yeah. The manga started in September 2002 and went till November 2010. And it is 18 volumes. We're going to talk about the anime. And it was directed by Takuya Igarashi. And it was written by Yoji Inokito. It was released by Funimation over here, I guess, and translated. Then why wasn't it on Funimation? We watched it on Netflix. I know. We watched it on Netflix, so I don't know. How frustrating. I didn't look. Is it also on Funimation? You may have two options to stream this show. (laughs) It is. It is. It aired in April 5th of 2006, and it went till September 26th of 2006. It is 26 episodes. But there is also some live-action episodes that you could watch. Live action meaning that it's not animated in any way. I'll say no to that. Yeah, and it's 11 episodes. It might be fun. Maybe. <laughs> I'm skeptical. of the. I haven't watched any live action, so this is coming from just <laughs> a place of fear. Live action is always worse. <laughs> when I like always an anime, campier. I worry. I worry. Like, what? Because are they going to take it too seriously? Or are they going to get the... Yeah. I don't know. You just kind of fall in love with the anime characters and then... Right. Well, the way I could always explain most live action, the production's really super low and it's kind of like a soap opera. And so if you're into campy soap opera kind of production, then you should be fine. I might be fine. (laughs) I wouldn't watch it, but, you know, that's just me. Bisco is also known for a couple other things. Millennium Snow. Behind the scenes. Yeah, I don't want to see the other ones. (laughs) Are they animes or are they... Uh, Mangas. Mangas. Yeah. And she won an Outstanding Debut Award for Millennium Snow. So it might be kind of interesting to check out. I don't know. The plot. It's pretty simple, actually. So this high schooler goes to this very, very prestigious school for overly wealthy teenagers. Super rich. Super rich. And they're so rich, they have nothing else to do but to go to this very nice, posh school. Harui kind of wanders into this one room to study because she couldn't find a place to study or anything. And 
all of a sudden, it was a host club. Oh, you know what? One thing I wanted to talk about, too, is the genres. They're really, really funny. It is reverse harem. Oh, that is like the literal That's the genre, genre name? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and romantic comedy. It's definitely both of those things. It's yeah. just funny because reverse harem was mentioned in one of the episodes, and I was like... Uh, I didn't know that was like an actual thing. Yeah, there's a harem genre where basically it's a bunch of girls kind of going after this one guy and they call that the harem kind of genre. Uh-huh. So it's kind of funny that this is the reverse harem. Yes. Okay, so walks into this study Music room. Music room three. Music room three. Yes, you're right. And they're like, welcome. How can we help you? <laughs> Can we do anything? We are here to fulfill your fantasies. And Hadoui, first off, looks like a boy. Everybody thinks Hadoui is a boy. And Hadoui accidentally knocks over this really expensive vase, which I still think that vase isn't worth anything, and breaks the vase. And so for her to pay for it, she has to work for them at the host club. And the actual place is a host club where they fulfill the dreams for females, I guess. Yeah, it's like handsome boys with too much time on their hands to host the beautiful young women of the high school. Yes. And the way I found this series is I always get bored on Netflix and I'm always looking for different things. And I hate action anime. Except for like maybe One Punch Man, because that's making fun of the actual series in general, or the genre. And I noticed there was pink and there was roses, so I was like, well, this might be kind of a fun <laughs> series. And when it opens up, it says, kiss, kiss, I'm in love. I was like, okay, this is going to be a romantic, kind of goofy anime. And it, I wouldn't say it's a romantic anime, but it's very goofy and funny, and it's definitely a reverse harem anime. Mm-hmm. It's campy, and it's... Oh, yeah, it's trashy. It's, it's making fun of the genres of different romantic comedy animes. So that's what I really liked about it. Because then it makes me realize the ones I've watched, (laughs) I don't know all the terminologies like that. So it's fun to see it being made fun of because then I'm like, oh, that's like this character, like these characters from another show that I liked. Or, oh, this one must be making fun of kind of like this type of character. So that's why I really enjoyed it. Yeah. The thing that makes the series, because it could have been totally awful in every single way is how the characters react with this lower income person commoner as i say how do we yeah because how do we got in from a grant like yes scholarship like a study like really academic yeah because she's a very very good student and she was pretty much the valid victorian of her junior high school i think so but she's definitely really good at the one that she's in the thing is, she looks and dresses like a boy. Yeah, and she doesn't care. She's so she's pretty much gender fluid, which yeah, is kind of cool. Yeah, she's like whatever. She's well, she identifies as a girl. She's like, yeah, I'm a girl, but just really does not care about clothes or if she's misgendered. Like if they think she's a boy, she doesn't care. Yeah, one way or the other. And so. that's what I really like about this series. We've been watching some series that seems like it's pretty advanced for what I was expecting Japan to be doing or reacting 
or talking about yes. at the time. And this one's very advanced too to me. And what's funny is she doesn't care if they find out she's a girl. She cut her hair because there's like gum in it or something. So <laughs> yeah, it's right. just like it's just like for necessity, like or clothes are comfortable or whatever. But they're more obsessed, the host club, they're obsessed with keeping it kind of a secret. So it's their own. Like so like she's theirs. Right? It's that, like a yeah, way to protect true. her. And keep her as their own. Because then if she, if everyone knew she was a girl, then all the other boys would like her. Well, it's because of the president of the host club, Tamaki. He is afraid that if everybody finds out that she's a girl, that all the boys would go after her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. And then the other, the other one, the vice president just wants her there because she's really good with girls. <laughs> like a big host. Yeah, And right. bringing in, you know. Like- and he likes selling her stuff. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Taking mm-hmm. secret pictures of all. It's but so weird. It is. And then there's other things that are so demented about it. I love it. It's like Tomiki is like this blonde, beautiful boy. He's French or whatever. And I feel like he'd be like an Usui, like a made sama Usui kind of character. Except yeah. he's like a dork. Like he can't keep it together. He's like so emotional. He's not suave, really. (laughs) Well, okay. He's suave to girls who don't know him well. Yeah. He could play it, but it's not who he really is. Yeah, where Haruhi, she knows him pretty well. And so he's always trying to protect her, kind of be a fatherly figure. And she just thinks it's totally dorky. Yeah, she's that's like, what whatever. So that's really fun. And then there's the twins. Oh, the twins. <laughs> the twins are the best. They're so weird. It's so demented. So they're twin boys. Um, yeah, right. Uh, Hikaru and... Yeah, Hikaru and... Haru? Yeah, yeah, Hikaru. Like, anyways, and they like play up this like sexual tension between the two of them. It's so gross. And they even talk about how it's like, oh, well, it's like taboo and like the girls like it. So it's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. So then there's them. And then there's like this tall and silent one. Uh, Mori. Mori. Yeah, and then and, Honey um, Senpai. Who's like the boy Lolita, which made me laugh because I was like, oh, it reminded me of Momiji. Momiji? Yeah. In uh, Fruits Basket. Right. They're both bunnies. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's super funny. So that kind of like cute. But then they all have surprising other things about them. So he's like a yeah. champion. All the character artist. arcs are kind <laughs> of deep in a sense. Yeah. But you don't really get too far into their character development. No, it's kind of like I was thinking about it. I was like, it's, they don't have a strong ongoing storyline, really. Like Maid Sama or Fruits Basket or something like that, where going towards something, it's more like vignettes, like little right. episodes. But it builds together, but it's not as dramatic as the ones with like kind of like a more of an arc or like a love story where it's like definitely like these two people are eventually going to get together. It doesn't have that kind of yeah not at all line. and then her dad interesting enough is like a drag queen yeah works at a drag bar right? yeah is a crossdresser so i thought that was funny he's he was a good character do you know if it had a good reviews like people liked it yeah or? i think the reception's actually really positive according to the, uh was it called wikipedia <laughs> i really liked it i actually looked it up very briefly 
because I was like, oh, I'm really liking this. And I like all the different types of characters and like the gender fluidity and like, and then I thought, oh, am I liking something that is making fun of everything? And then I I got self-conscious. So I looked it up and it's like in the top 10 list of LGBTQ plus. Really? um, animes. Yeah, I was like, okay, wow. good. So it's like celebrated. I just got a moment of paranoia. Where I was like, <laughs> am I falling for some? Like, I just think it's great, but it turns out there's a secret hateful message. No, there's not. No, it's no. Just very open minded. And you're right, it came out in 2006. Right. That's what I really like about it. I've been realizing within the genres that we've been watching mm-hmm. are romantic comedies. This seems yeah. like what we're really into. I like how advanced some of these stories are getting. Yeah. For its time, it's pretty advanced. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun to have different types of characters and that it not be a thing. You know, like it's not like more of the story or something. It's just like her dad's isn't like a huge... They were yeah. like, what? And then they kind of got over it. You know? Yeah, like much <laughs> like Tokyo Godfathers, the main mm-hmm. character is a drag queen. Yeah. And she was just living her everyday life and it was totally cool. Exactly. And I didn't know that with anime because, you know, Japan is on this very small island, so they do look down upon foreigners at times. And they're not really advanced in their LGBTQI views just yet because it's just a different culture, unfortunately. But it seems like they're becoming more accepting of it. In their art, definitely. In their art, yes. I mean, there's this character named Harge. He does all these kind of weird, silly, comedic parodies and stuff like that. It's kind of funny, but at the same time, it's a little bit offensive. I even thought mm-hmm. at the time, like t- over 10 years ago, hard gay was kind of funny. Uh-huh. I'll admit it. But you think about it now, well, it's not really that acceptable. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's not that great. Like, the joke was that he was gay and he was doing all these uh, sexual things about being uh-huh. gay. And try to offend all these other people. Mm-hmm. And so that's not very acceptable nowadays. It's not how it was in this world where it was just okay. Well, yeah. You know, because yeah, they yeah. even had like the other, um, they had a trans character in the summer house, like we're on the vacation, right. summer vacation. So it's like, it's just kind of part of like the character landscape. It wasn't pointed out really in a weird way yeah right right exactly i really liked this series. yeah i like this series it's fun it was very funny it's very funny i sometimes i all make my friends watch it i didn't know if you would like it because i couldn't remember how it was exactly i just watched it because i thought it was goofy and it was kind of funny but i watched it twice back in the mm-hmm. day or two three times i could see actually. watching it again oh one of the other characters that they bring in is a manager Oh, and yeah. She made me laugh so hard because she sounds like the girl in Chinibio. Oh, love Chinibio and other delusions. You know the blonde with the long hair in pigtails? That's who she reminded me of because she oh, always came goodness. up with that crazy laugh. Like her entrance was always like, they'd be like motor, like powerful motor. And then she'd be like, ha, 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 Yeah, ha, she's a hardcore otaku is what they call it. Okay. It reminded me of that character. It's so funny because I think we've watched so much within this, what, six months of recording so far Mm -hmm. that we're beginning to catch more of what these genres, these type of characters are. And it's kind of interesting watching more and more 
about it yeah. and understanding the, these character arcs of anime. No, it's true. And, like, and that's what was really fun for this because, yeah, they were pointing out stuff that I was like, oh, that's what they would call that in this other series or yes. that. And then there is one episode and the girl liked a visitor or a little sister or something. She was, um, she, <laughs> she loved those romances. And so then Harley was like reading them and <laughs> like, oh my God, she's right. This is a reverse harem and there is debauchery. <laughs> and she's like, debauchery, reverse harem. Yeah, that was yeah, really like, great. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, that is me now. <laughs> Right. So good. It is really funny. The worst part about it is even though the music plays kind of throughout the same music, the intro and the outro will play throughout the series, I'll still watch the outro. Instead of skipping the credits, I'll watch the outro because I love that song so so much. It kind of sounds nostalgic. It does. It reminded me of a different one. And then I like that it was the ringtone for Tomaki. Exactly. (laughs) No, no, no. That was the ringtone for Haruo, I thought. Oh, okay. Whatever it was. It was someone's cell phone ringtone. Or maybe it was. uh, I can't remember exactly. I can't remember. But it was like, I just thought it was funny that it was. Yeah. And that's what kind of held me back from completing the series because I'd watch it all the way through and then I didn't have the energy to complete it. I made it to the the 20th episode, I think. And so I'll have to complete it. There's a lot of episodes. And then I have to say, I said it was very like vignette based, but the overarching theme is kind of friendship. So they're always deepening and building their friendships and relationships with one another. That's kind of the backstories that come up. And yeah, like um, the whole entire thing with uh, Tomiki is he has a very big heart. He'll try to help people as much as he can, but then you kind of later learn about his family and why he is that way. Mm-hmm. And like with the twins, like you realize how kind of sheltered they have yeah. been. Yeah, like right. in their own little world. So they, this club has been so helpful to all of them in different ways. Right. That's the feel good part. <laughs> yeah, there's never really. I don't think so anyway. Any dark points to it. Except for something, but you have to find out. But it's not even mm-hmm. that bad. They're like, here, I'll put some headphones over you and cover you up. Yeah, it's not <laughs> super dark. So I liked it. Yeah. I think it was sweet, but then it was so fun and campy and silly and makes fun of like the whole romantic comedy genre that I don't know. I like that. Like, it doesn't take itself seriously. Exactly. So check it out. We recommend it. It's on Netflix and Funimation, but we'd probably opt for the Netflix side because you could skip the intro. <laughs> yeah, and you, unless Funimation wants to. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'll so flip my recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should probably hit them up go, hey, you should. I'm challenging them to sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we probably need some more uh, plays there. So anyway, check it out. And we'll be right back. Storygram Network. Hello, welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm your host, Takeshi, and with me I have Santos, and we take two pieces of media, and we take a deep dive on them. Kind of. We just talk about it. Kind of. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food. And it's not about weight. What is it about? It's the intersection of possibility, where what-ifs and why-nots collide. 
Some on the cutting edge, others on the cutting room floor. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. Hey, podcast fans, I'm Jeff Davis. Through the safety of your earbuds, Bluetooth speaker, or car stereo, join me as I venture out on the wine road. Aiden offers up practical and helpful tips to help you live a more joyful life. The art of being yay isn't just something he developed on a whim on a lonely Wednesday. Storygram Network. That's right. We are back, and we're going to talk about Tribe Called Quest. We got it from here. Thank you for your service. And this is the sixth studio album by Tribe Called Quest, and it is their very final studio album because during the recording of this, Five Dog passed away to complications of diabetes. So they broke up right after the love movement or around that time due to like creative differences and they were around each other for too long and they would get back here and there, but not all together. They got back together one time because five dog need to pay for his diabetes treatment. And there's a documentary that follows them during that time. Really? It's really interesting. Yeah. I have to watch that. It's highly recommended. I think it's by the same guy who did uh, Kurt and Courtney. And it's funny because whoever controls their Wikipedia, they hardly talk about it now. Or beforehand, they were not cool with the documentary. It was very oh, vocal. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Because Why? It, because it was totally behind the scenes. So it showed them arguing and bickering at each other. Oh, I thought I was going to focus on the fact that someone with a good music career still didn't have enough money for health insurance. <laughs> like healthcare, it's crazy. Well, it does go for that. And okay. so they got together because of that and, and they set aside their differences, but they were still bickering at each other. And so for them to come back together for this, because they did support Kanye West during the Yeezus tour. And I think that was more to help out Five Dog. But mm -hmm. during the 25th anniversary of People's Instinctive Travels and the Pass of Rhythm, they played at the Jimmy Fallon Tonight Show. And because of that, that was November 13th of 2015, the energy was so good, they decided to make an album. Oh, nice. Yes. Well, I can see now why they'd be mad at the documentary because they were friends or collaborators for so long oh, yeah. and you tend to fight and that's okay. But to have it focused when maybe that wasn't the point of what they thought the documentary should probably focus on. Right. They wanted him to kind of edit some things. Like They said a couple things here and there mm -hmm. and he did it. And that yeah. director is kind of controversial too, you know, the Kurt and Courtney documentary. Yeah. So he kind of just creates this narrative and sometimes they don't feel like it's that fair. And then, and so 2015, they reunite and then yes. they decide to do something brand new though. Yeah. They were like, let's put aside our differences, let's cut this album. And it was recorded at Atlib Studios, which was custom studio at his house because you know they call him the abstract it's kind of crazy too because five dog was there every day and he would stay at a hotel 
And then the manager would drive him over to Q-Tip's house. That was in New Jersey. They would write lyrics together. He only thought it would be a five-song EP. And they somehow they got like an album out of it. In the early stages of the album, they drew inspirations from rock records like the Stooges and Iggy Pop. Isn't Iggy Pop and the Stooges the same thing? That's what I thought. <laughs> well, until Iggy Pop did his own thing, right? Okay, sure. Wasn't it uh, Iggy Pop and the Stooges? Yeah, yeah. I'm just reading what it says, so. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. <laughs> you like that like, oh, you're right. <laughs> they were very committed. And then, unfortunately, four months later, Five Dog passed away. So this is definitely the very last thing that Five Dog has ever done. So it came out in November, and then he died four months later? No, while recording. <gasps> he oh, never even got even... to see the release of this. Oh, that's so sad. But it's nice that he got to work on something creative at the end of his life. Did he know he was that sick, or was it like oh, yeah. kind of all of a sudden turned for the worse? He's always been sick. I mean, if you listen to Five Dog in there, he sounds a little sick, comparatively to his other albums. I don't know if you okay. noticed that. But it's really cool that they are actually able to do this. Yeah. Okay, so notable featured guests, contributions, Andre 3000, Kendrick Lamar, Jack White, Elton John, Kanye West, Anderson Pack. And Kahib Kowil. And also, of course, Buster Rhymes, which I think Buster Rhymes has been on most of their albums for like a song or two. And the name of the album is actually, it's what Five Dog wanted to name it. And none of the other members know why he wanted to name it that, but they just went along with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. It's kind of cool to listen to this album because it just sounds like they just picked up right from where they left off of. And the last album was like in 98. So 18 years later, it just sounds like, okay, we're picking up where we left off of. And to me, it even mm -hmm. sounds better than the love movement. The love movement, a lot of people always think it's not as good as the other four albums. And I tend to agree. You could kind of tell there was some kind of conflict within their recordings. The quality wasn't as good to me. I'll have to listen to it. You have to re-listen to it? Because mm -hmm. you like that album a lot. I did, yeah. Yeah, but it's pretty interesting. It was popular, right? It, it Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it did well, mm -hmm. but comparatively to their other albums, their other albums are classics. And, of course, that one's classic, too, because it was so long since they released the new one. Mm -hmm. But when you compare the other albums to that one album, it's not as good to me anymore. Yeah. And what about this one? What was the reception like? It was very, very good. It went gold. Wow. Yeah, and I love the fact, I mean, they must have an incredible label. This is sampled all over the place. You wouldn't normally hear an album like this from an underground hip-hop artist or even Kanye. Well, yeah, Kanye could do stuff like this, but definitely... This sounds like a 90s hip-hop album. That's why. How I do you think they it. feel about Kanye now, though? I don't know. Uh, I mean, they're friends. I know that for a fact. So. I and mean, when he went, like, Trump, down his Trump thing, uh, I wonder if they yeah. were disappointed with him. Well, I think they're always just like, well, it's Kanye. <laughs> Trying to be controversial. <laughs> I wonder if people are worried, like, they were worried. <laughs> I mean, come on. He ran for president, so... That's what I mean. It's like he's creeping crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's Kanye. He's just trying to figure ways to sell albums and get out there more, I think. But 
Anyway, this is to me a return to form, a classic. If you're in the Tribe Called Quest, I mean, you should definitely check it out. It's kind of interesting though because on Spotify it has a side one and side two like it's a record. Both sides, one has a definitely a certain vibe to it versus the second side of it. I don't see that. What do you mean? To me, the second part is a lot more bombastic. No, I mean, like, how do you know it's side? Which it, it shows which on here. Side? It's right here. It says one and then two. I don't have that. Oh, are you looking at it on your phone? Yeah. Oh, maybe it's just the actual. Because it, it's 16 songs, right? Yeah, it's 16 songs. So it goes up to eight on one, and then the other last eight are the other part. Smeed it like a cassette tape. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like a record, I think. I think it also might be because it was actually ripped from a record. Oh. And the cool thing about this album, too, you could hear all the little record pops. You'll be proud of me because I plugged my phone into some speakers <laughs> to listen to this. Because I didn't want to listen. I listened to it off my phone, and I was like, oh, no. Oh, I better my plug goodness. this in. You better plug and this I in. Thought, You're wow. so happy. Look at you. I gave it like a real, you know what I mean? Like a real listen so that I wasn't going to miss. Because just listening off your phone, often you're right, all the sampling and different sounds and all of that. Yeah. It can get really crazy sounding on your phone. Like you're like, what? But once you put it on, like you listen to it on something real, it's so nice. It's like so cool. Yeah, I did like all the samples and all of that and the sounds. Yeah, but it's very interesting though too because the first eight, the energy is different comparatively to the last eight. The last mm-hmm. eight to me, it's more like old school hip hop where the first eight, they're sampling rock. It goes out there a little bit more. But I still like the last eight too though. Do you? I don't know. Now that you say that, I feel like I run more out of steam with the album on the second half. Right. I do, I am drawn into that first, those first songs more. And now it makes sense why, now I can like listen to it in another way. Yeah. Jack White is on the the last date. And so there are some more rock things in there and stuff. That's random. You think he would have been on the first date? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite songs on there is the Elton John sample of Benny and the Jets. Yeah. It's amazing. It's it's called Solid Wall of Sound. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start off with that one. Yeah, yeah. Boss to any beat, we beat the beat for true. Yeah, yeah. Massing Gallum sees them smellers. 
so Don't let it be one of my dudes I should've spoke up when I'm old up Leave that to me Now Hodge from Leak The man with a plan who went for it all Like Marauders on a mission where we can dance all There we go Something happened over here <laughs> Are we recording? <laughs> We're recording We're recording this time Yeah, I love that song It's really, really good I even like how different they rap in this because they kind of flow a little bit more relaxed most of the time. Where this one, they're definitely going more in the rhythm of the way Busta does his stuff and then Busta's on it. <laughs> so hopefully mm -hmm. that sample will help a little bit. Do you have any other favorites or no? I liked the first half a lot. Now I'm realizing <laughs> that. Like you said. Solid Sound is probably my favorite. I think I liked We the People too. Oh, okay. We the People is a good one. I think that was a single. Uh, uh. We don't believe you. Cause we the people are still here in the rear, yo, we don't need you. You ain't a killing off good young nigga move. When we get hungry, we eat the same plate of food. The ramen noodle. This simple voodoo is so maniacal, reliable to pull a juju. The irony is that this bad bitch in my lap. She don't tell me she make money, she don't study that. She gon' give it to me, ain't gon' tell me nothing back. She gon' take the brain away the place she spit on that. Vidors and signs with it. Don't try to rhyme with it. VH1 has a show that you can waste your time with. Guilty pleasure take the edge off reality and pull a salary. I'll probably do that just sporadically. The OG Gucci boots are sitting with the All right, better stop there. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah, that's a really good one, too. And what's one of your second half favorites? Oh, boy. Let me think here. I'll go with Mobius. Mobius is good. I break bread. Ribs, hundred dollar bills, dream about Bugattis and other four wheels. They say Illuminati and other ordeals. Is how my lawyer got me to avoid a raw deal. And now it's more real than it is for any other star. And that's enough to have you tearing up the mini bar. I should probably get awards when the Emmys are. But how I deal with the path like Remy Mark. I get in the car like a sniper's on the roof now. But don't confuse how you see me have to move now. I got bars like a cypher's in the booth now. Ooh, child, things are gonna get it's kind of unfortunate though because the way a tribe called quest song goes is they share verses and it's hard to just kind of pick out one piece because it's only going to have this one verse by this one mc <laughs> unfortunately let me see here another one i liked let me hear i gotta hear conrad tokyo Them, 
one of my biggest complaints about the production, the vocals, there is always a lot of reverb on all of them. It kind of takes a little bit of a backseat to the instrumentals, but it's still up in front. But unlike their other albums, it's definitely, there's not a lot of reverb on it. It's just a tiny bit. Things are a little bit more in front in general. And Five Dog, I mean, this is not a complaint. He does sound sick. It does not sound like him to me. <laughs> would I recommend this? Of course I would, because this is a definite return to form. It doesn't sound any different from any of their other albums. It just sounds like they picked up where, right where they left off from, and they're just going to do it. And this is a definite perfect send-off for all the fans who always wanted another Tribe Called Quest album, and here it is. And if you're a Tribe Called Quest fan and you haven't checked it out yet, you're living under a rock. (laughs) (laughs) It was really good, and I second what you said. There's something nice, because I was a teenager when their last album came out, and I loved it, and to hear this one, it was so nice to hear their voices again. The technical last album they did, um, The Love Movement, was such a favorite album of mine as a teenager. And then I've gone all these years not listening to them. So then to listen to this, it was almost nostalgic to hear their voices again. And this, and like you said, it was like they picked up where they left off. It wasn't like, who is this? You know, it was like, oh, no, this is a Tribe Called Quest. And it was great. So I definitely recommend it. Yeah, yeah. An instant classic. I kind of wish the way hip hop went would went more along what Tribe Called Quest created instead of the gangster rap side and now the weird trap side. But this might have ushered in the whole entire underground hip hop too. But I just loved it, like group. And if you're not into Tribe Called Quest, whatever. <laughs> uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> you should try because you should try. they're good. Yeah, Classic. for sure, for sure. I did kind of think like I feel like I listen to kind of like trashy radio music, so <laughs> I listen to like, the same dozen hip hop songs on the radio, and it's sad that Tribe Called Quest isn't in there. Like it's it's weird that they're not more mainstream in a. I guess it's yeah stream stuff that's on the radio is more simple or something or i don't know so it just it is kind of interesting how the industry is and who gets promoted and and there's so much music there yeah i mean we could totally get into that that has a lot to do with clear channel once again and how the record labels have to pay into clear channel or those type of companies to get their band on the radio and there's like clear channel oh. style venues. That was all like in the early 2000s. We've talked about this before, kind of, but that's why there's this whole entire different type of hip hop that you hear on there. Different, like pop music is totally different. And, and that's why you always hear a rotation of just these similar songs. Mm-hmm. Forever. Yeah, forever and ever. That's exactly why. So. That's what's going on. But yeah, Tribe Hall Quest should be in that rotation. They should be celebrated more. There should be an old school hip hop station, but then that would probably somehow get too. There is one, but yeah, it's only a certain amount of songs are played. Yeah, it's just not fair. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, 
if you go to a radio station, except for nonprofits and college radio stations, it's not what it used to be. Mm-hmm. You're looking at a server that plays these songs in a rotation, and then sometimes I'll have some guy talking, saying, we're going to play this, but that's even probably automated too. So <laughs> that's what's going on. <laughs> yeah. You can- it, yeah, what's up? Oh, we already said we found this on Spotify. I don't know where else you could find it. You could find it everywhere. Definitely. You could buy it or you could get the vinyl. I highly recommend it. I can't say enough about this album. I mean, I remember first hearing, I was like, yes, finally. (laughs) And it's nice that when a group comes back together because it's a time when it was needed, like their voices were needed again since 2016. So. Yeah, that's when Donald Trump first became president. Mm-hmm. And he was just running for president, too, during the era they recorded this. And, you know, it's always kind of scary when a band does get back together. Are they going to be this weird nostalgic band? And when they do record something, their ideas are so different, it's going to be all f***ed up? Or is it going to just return to form? Which is what, exactly what they did, and it's exactly mm-hmm. what everybody wants. Yes. So check it out. You can find me on all the social medias under Glitch Unicorn. And you can find me on Instagram as Sister Santos. All right. Peace.